couple things. One, uh, again, if you've We've just done this the last few weeks, but we, like Dan mentioned, we, uh, you can, you know, forgiving, you can give it, a, you can give them those little green lantern things, green lantern things. That's a superhero, by the way. Or uh, these, and I, Dan called these. We just call them buckets. Let's. Do, I'm, I, I'd like to give them a name. I'm going to start calling them joy buckets. All right, because God loves a cheerful giver. All right, so we'll call them joy buckets from now on, just for that sake. Otherwise, a green buckets just sounds kind of boring, and it's not really a superhero name anyway. So, hey, uh, here's the topic for the day. Uh, common beliefs about demons in first century Israel. Now, nobody would probably pick this category in Jeopardy. And I'm actually going uh, to pick on somebody to be my contestant today. And I'm going to introduce uh, Sandra Seidel. Her husband, Tim, uh, is over here. I just met them this week. They're new to Exodus. They moved here from California. You have to stand up, though. Tim works for uh, Oliver Winery. So if you need some party things, unless you're not 21, then don't talk to him, please. Um, <laughs> Anyway, this is Sandra. So, Sandra, we got to get over here. If you can stand over here with me, because otherwise I can't read it, and maybe your eyes are... Okay, here's question one. Uh, demons were thought to hide in the shadows. This is from first century. This was not on the internet, by the way. This is from a real book, all right? And the book was 150 years old, and he referenced books that were written in the first century. So, this I know is true. Demons were thought to hide in the shadows. Which shadows were you to avoid for fear of demons? A, shadow from the rising sun... B, shadow from the moon. C, shadows from streetlights. <laughs> shadows from the setting sun. Which one, Sandra? Which one do you think you were supposed to avoid in the first century? Can I ask a... No, no there's no call a friend. No phone a friend here. <laughs> you just have to guess. What do you think? Um, I hear the crowd said... B. B. It is correct. Shadow from the moon. Very good. All right. Next one. Again, these were true from the first century. Which set of numbers was thought to be dangerous and possibly demonic? The odd numbers, the even numbers, prime numbers, or multiples of six? This is true. They thought there was some potential danger in those. Just take a guess. D. Actually, the correct answer is E, or B, I mean E. B, <laughs> even numbers, even numbers were thought to be potentially dangerous, so you avoided even numbers. Again, this is even Jewish leaders, and this is the norm of the culture, right? Question three, you should never walk between two blank trees more than four feet apart. Demons could be hiding. They believe demons could hide in those shadows. Were they Christmas trees, palm trees, oak trees, or apple trees you weren't supposed to walk through? I'm going to say B. B, palm trees. Correct answer. Very good. You were not supposed to walk through two palm trees more than four feet apart. All right. Four. There's a few more. It was considered a bad omen if you walked over water that had been poured out. You should never walk over water that had been poured out unless, A, the water had been covered with, over with earth. B, you spit on it first. C, you remove your shoes before walking over it. And then this is the things people hate. D, all of the above, or E, A and C, but not B. All right. This is obviously a total guess. So give us your total guess here, Sandra. E. e, actually, the correct answer is D, all of those. You should not walk over water that was spilled unless it had been covered with the earth, or you spit on it first, or you remove your shoes for walking over it. All right? Next question. A few more. Which of the following was considered a magic cure thought to ward off a bad head cold? A, a quart of salt water poured slowly over three lima beans. B, a quart of new wine poured quickly over three chickens. Or C, a quart of white goat milk poured slowly over three cabbage stalks. This is a total guess as well. Just guess. Uh, a. Uh, correct answer is actually C. They believe you poured a quart 
of white goat milk poured slowly over three cabbage stalks. This was how they dealt with the invisible world, all right? This was the first century. All right, next question. The activities of demons was thought to be restricted to the following times. In other words, the act, demons can only be active during these times. A, only Tuesday nights and Friday nights. B, only between midnight and sunrise. C, only on cloudy or overcast days. And D, I didn't finish that one, so sorry. (laughs) I just realized that. So which one do you think they believe was the time when demons were restricted to act? I'm going to go with D. Uh, D, no, actually. (laughs) Correct answer was A, only on Tuesday and Friday nights. Thanks, Sandra. There's one more question, but I'm going to do that one separately. That was Sandra and her husband, Tim. Thanks, Sandra. Okay, now here's another question, all right? When the first century New Testament writers refer to demon, de- demon activity, they were simply reflecting cultural understanding of their day. We now understand these conditions to be mental illness, true or false. All right? No, seriously. We really, you know, we have all these, those were intelligent people that believed the invisible world was handled by pouring goat milk over three cabbage stalks or spitting on the ground before you walked over it or things like that. Superstitions but actually that were held by kind of normal people, intelligent people. And so when demonic, invisible world stuff shows up in the Bible, a common response, especially in a town like Bloomington, where you have a lot of smart people, the common response is, well, what they call demons, we now call mental illness. Because otherwise, it's hard to make sense of some of the stuff in the Bible, isn't it? It's hard to make sense of some of those stories because we can't just write it off. And there are times where we think, well, maybe that's all it was. Maybe it was just superstition and maybe we've advanced in our understanding of human nature and psychology and things like that. And maybe some of those things really were just mental illnesses. And so this demonic Satan, devil, evil spirits... Let's just kind of say that was for a different time of history when they just didn't get things. It was kind of like before people had cell phones. You actually had to talk on real phones or, you know, you had to write letters instead of email. So today, we're going to talk, what we've been talking about, go to the next slide. And here's, here's, the, here's the question. What are the common beliefs about demons in the 21st century Bloomington? What do we believe? And how does that affect not... Not just what do you believe, but how does it affect your life today, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, next week, next month? How has that influenced or been a part of your life a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago? Now, if you're new to Exodus, or if you're not new to Exodus, we talk about sometimes the weird meter, all right? The weird meter is way over here in the red zone right now, right? Demons, invisible world, e- you know what I mean? So the weird meter's high, we know that. If you think it feels weird, we think it feels weird, and that's okay. As long as we all agree it's weird, it's not weird, right? All right. So, next slide. What we've been talking about is, we, I've actually answered this question every week, and, we'll, and we've, here's the question. What would your life be like if you didn't have to struggle anymore with blank? And we've talked about, like, could be uh, an emotional thing, depression, discouragement, loneliness, fear, anxiety. Could be a physical thing, a healing issue. Could be a person in your life you have a hard time forgiving with. Could be all kinds of things. And what I've asked you to do is imagine what your life would be like if some of those things that caused you that kind of, uh, if it didn't exist anymore. 
whether it was in your spirit, in your soul, whether it was a person. Now, granted, we're not asking you to kind of get rid of a person, but you know what I'm talking about. Those people that cause you the sleepless nights or tension or anxiety. What about this, though? What would your life be like if you didn't have to struggle anymore with demonic assault? And now it's like, oh, this is, weird. This is way weird meter, right? Demonic assault? I mean, are we going to see demons behind every tree now? Are we going to blame Satan on every problem? If your car doesn't start, it's Satan. If you get a cold, it's Satan. But is there a real good reason to even ask this question? And what does that mean for practical, ordinary people, intelligent people like us? We're not superstitious. But we do believe the invisible world. So what does it mean that, that, that Satan actually does assault people like you and me? What we've been talking about here is the series we've been going through from Luke chapter 4. It's called Imagine You Alive, Awake, and Free. And we've talked about all those things in your life or in my life that blocks us from becoming alive, awake, and free. Because we talk about what Jesus came to do. And here's the next, here's the next slide. This was, the, this was what Jesus said in Luke 4. This was his mission. And this defines the mission of Jesus. And you'll notice his mission was not simply getting you and I into heaven after we die. His mission was not simply to get us to behave or vote Republican or whatever. His mission was our freedom. His mission was us being totally alive spiritually, awake spiritually, and free, nothing inside of us. And this is what Jesus said his mission was. Read this out loud with me from Luke 4. Uh, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what Jesus said he came to do. He came to set you free and me free from stuff in our lives. Whether it's oppression from within, stuff, emotional stuff, lack of forgiveness, secret habits, sins, uh, anxieties, fears, discouragement, loneliness, anger, revenge, sexual sin, whatever, or even the times when we feel like things outside of us are outside of our control, but it still affects us. Some of you have been the recipients of sin in your life, evil in your life, and you're still recovering from things that aren't even your fault. But a lot of us as well have stuff inside of us that are blocking forgiveness issues and things like that because the reminder is that Jesus' mission is people. His mission is you. His mission is you, Jason. That's his mission. His mission is people. His mission is not to build an institution. His mission is not just to get people into heaven. His mission is people who have real names, real zip codes, and real social security numbers, and get us to be set free and help us to become alive, awake, and free, full of the life of God, fully engaged with the invisible world, and all that includes. So the next slide here, what I'm going to talk through is the number of times in the Gospel of Luke. Okay, Jesus said in Luke, he came to set us free. It was his mission. And again, in the last few weeks, we've talked about forgiveness issues and all the various things in the Gospels that Jesus seems to address that he addresses as obstacles for us being alive, awake, and free. You know, forgiveness issues, uh, money issues, sexual issues, all kinds of stuff. But when you read through the Gospels of Luke, and no other Gospel has as many occurrences of the phrase demon, Satan, evil spirit, unclean, unclean spirit. 
it's all over the place. And when you read, when you finally put those glasses on and just look for it, it's kind of like when you buy it, when you buy a new car and you think it's really unique and then you see your car everywhere. Everybody has that car, right? Same thing. If you start looking, not in a, not in a hyper way, just start looking and you realize how much of Jesus' ministry had to do with the invisible world of evil. All right? And, and so I'm going to go through a few scenarios. In Luke chapter 4, this was right, uh, Jesus, after he, after he did his uh, thing in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, where we just read, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, they rejected him in that town. He went to a town called Capernaum. All right? So this particular story is in Capernaum, and the situation is, it said Jesus would go to the synagogue on a regular basis and teach. This is uh, Luke 4. I'm going to read verse, verse 31. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and he taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Once when he was in the synagogue, so it's like he was in a, he was like in a church teaching like this. A man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, began shouting at Jesus right in the middle of the service, or whatever they do, whatever they called it. Ordinary kind of day. Man began shouting at Jesus, go away. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One sent from God. So this was a participant in the life of the religious community. He wasn't some nut who showed up. He was somebody who was there doing his thing, and all of a sudden, in the middle of Jesus' teaching, he just burst out. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, what authority and power this man's word possess. Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. I would imagine so, right? Now again, let's ask the question too, is Jesus just playing along with the cultural superstitions? If he is, he's playing a pretty good part. Or did he believe there was a world that was, in, that was infested by demons and there was a reality of demons attacking people? Did Jesus believe that? Because if Jesus believed that, one of the things we say at Exodus, we trust Jesus. If Jesus believed it, we believe it. No matter what kind of sense it might make otherwise. If Jesus believed it, we believe it. All right? Now, what happened later in this day, in the same place, later after this happened, he went to Peter's mother-in-law's house. And she was sick, had a really bad fever. And it said Jesus rebuked the fever. And he used the same word, the, the same word was used, rebuke, is when he rebuked a spirit. So is he rebuking a spirit that caused fever? Again, I'm just asking questions. And then after, and then she got well. And then people came from all over and basically lined up at Peter's mother-in-law's house. And it said those even who had, who were, who had evil spirits were cured by Jesus. It's like, okay, so this is kind of, seems to be normal. All right, next, next story in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8. There's a region called the uh, Gerasenes. It's right across the uh, Sea of Galilee. And some of you may have heard this story. If you have any kind of church background, if you haven't heard the story, here it is. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across from the Lake of Galilee. As Jesus was, as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, again, ordinary day, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he'd been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside the town. Now, this is a sure case of mental illness, right? Isn't that all it is? This guy's insane. He's got a chemical imbalance, right? Now, I'm not making fun of psychological 
world and practices. I'm just saying sometimes we call things something when maybe there's something else as well. Maybe, because Jesus seemed to think so. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? It's interesting. Both these demons now have said, why are you interfering, Jesus? Son of the most high God, please, I beg you, don't torture me, for Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. And then as Jesus demanded, what is your name? And if you know the rest of the story, the, the, the demon replies, legion, for we are many. And there's a lot of stuff inside this guy. We don't know how he opened the door to that. Scripture says sometimes we give Satan a foothold. We don't know how this man became this way, infested with demons. And then if you know the rest of the story, they, the demons asked Jesus permission. This is really weird meter stuff, okay? Weird meter stuff. The demons asked Jesus permission don't send us to the abyss, Jesus. Send us into that herd of pigs over there. Jesus does that. I don't understand why or what's going on here. The demons go into the pigs. The pigs run over a cliff and destroy themselves. Okay. This is kind of weird meter stuff. Now, let me also say too, we, also use, we often use the phrase demon possession. The best way to translate the words in the original Greek of the Bible is demonized. There's not a sense where a demon fully, fully possesses somebody because we still have human responsibility, um, but demonized, kind of harassed, and that happens in all kinds of different degrees. All right. Next one, Luke chapter nine. This is a young boy, and this and and the father is distraught. He doesn't know what to do, and this is what it says. The next day, after they had come down the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, "Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child." An evil spirit. Keep seizing him, making him scream. It's interesting now, in all three, all three cases, the evil spirit causes the person to scream or yell or shout or somehow be out of control, right? It throws him into convulsions so that he foams the mouth. It batters him and hardly even leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast the spirit out, but they couldn't do it. Then Jesus said to them, bring your son here. And as the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit. There's that word again. He rebuked, he commands, he demands, he rebukes, he speaks strongly and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. Awe gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. All right, next one. There's a few more. Luke chapter 11. Jesus is, just all we read is this in Luke chapter 11, verse 14. One day Jesus cast out, cast out, the, the literal meaning is to throw out, to get out of, a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, he began to speak. The crowd, you know what the problem is, I have this mic on, sorry. The crowd was amazed, all right? So again, the guy couldn't speak. Jesus cast out a demon and he could speak. Okay, psychological couldn't that just be a psychological issue? And Jesus kind of gave a self-suggestion and the guy broke out of his psychological kind of stuckness. Well, again, it doesn't seem like Jesus thinks that's what happening, what's happening. And some people say, well, Jesus was just accommodating himself to the culture. He didn't want to wrestle too many feathers. Jesus didn't want to ruffle feathers. That's all he did, right? So if anything, he was going against the superstitions of the day 
and explaining the superstitions in case of what was really going on. All right, next one, I think there's one more. A woman who was crippled by an evil spirit. All right, Luke chapter 13. the weird meter. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on here. I'm not even moving. I'm going to switch. Okay, here we go. So now this is uh, Luke chapter 13. This is the last one of, the, of these particular stories. Luke chapter 13. What did I say it is? Verse 10. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. So an evil spirit caused the crippling. At least this was Luke's vantage point. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. Luke was a medical doctor. All right? And you might say, well, still could have been superstition. Could have been. Well, Jesus didn't seem to think that. She had been bent double for 18 years and been able to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. And how she praised God. Now, a couple of situations. Go to the next slide there. Just, just, these were other in mass situations. Luke chapter 4. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command. This was crowds of people that flocked around Jesus. Many were possessed. They came out at his command. Luke chapter 6. They had come to hear him. Again, crowds of people. And to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. I guarantee you, many of us in this room have been, are being, were, will be troubled by evil, evil spirits. Again, that's weird meter. We're not blaming our problems on something else. We're responsible for, for, to God to be healed and to follow the way Jesus has. But every one of us, I guarantee you, has been troubled by evil spirits. Luke chapter 7, at that very time, Jesus cured many people of diseases and evil spirits. So it's just all over the place, evil spirits. He cures them of this. He cures them of demons. He casts out demons. He commands. He demands. He rebukes. So we look at this, and we're like, okay, that's, I got it. That's what Jesus came to do, and it was good that he came to do that, and it was neat to see all the things he did. He's not here today to do that for me if I have any kind of issue with that. But let's go to the next step, because here's what's interesting. Jesus told us that we can do what he did. Luke chapter 9. Jesus sends out his disciples, and he gives them, gives them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Weird. We have. And you might say, okay, no, it's the disciples he's talking about. Well, okay. You might say, well, it's disciples he didn't talk about us. Let's go to the, the next passage. The next passage, Jesus sent out 70 people to do the same thing. 70 people. None of them, not all the special 12 they came back from their little ministry road trip. <laughs> this is incredible. Lord, even the demons obey us. Ordinary people, not God in flesh people. Ordinary people who are followers of Jesus. Even the demons obey us when we use your name. When we use your authority, Jesus, the demons obey us. 
Does that us include us? Could we ever say that? Should we say that? Can we say that? Do we say that? Or we just get written off as really, really weird if we even try to say that. We've seen enough movies and television shows and television, television preachers. We're like, whoa, 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 I'm not going to go. That, that, that's broken the weird meter right there. That's just broken it. Now it's not weird. It's strange. And what's interesting, too, well, there's another part where the disciples were like, Jesus, there's these people over here, and they're not part of our group, and they're casting demons out in your name. And again, if Jesus was just restricting that power to his little inner circle, he would have been like, yeah, where are those people? They shouldn't be. No, he said, you know what? If they're doing it in my name, let them be, let them alone. If they're not against us, they're for us. So it seemed like Jesus was okay with people who weren't part of his, even his inner circle of disciples or his, even his 70 of them being able to speak to demons with the authority of Jesus. Now, you might think, okay, I don't know. We tend to think, we tend to think, okay, the demonic stuff, okay, the naked guy running around the cemetery, the boy uh, foaming on the ground. Again, some people think that was probably just epilepsy. Well, let's say it was a demon. It's it's a demon. It's still naked man, boy with epilepsy, man shouting out in the middle of a synagogue service. Well, that's kind of the dramatic stuff. Isn't that what Satan does? But it seems like Satan also does, and demons have done, do some other less than dramatic, but absolutely equally destructive things. It seems as if Jesus believes some fever or sickness or cripplingness or not being able to talk, some had some kind of demonic influence in it. Now, that's not saying, and Jesus doesn't believe, and neither do we, that every time you're sick, you just need to rebuke the demon. All right, every time you sneeze, instead of saying God bless you, you say God rebuke you. I don't, you know, I don't know what. It's not what we're saying. What we're saying, and we're not saying, oh, there's a demon behind every, there's a demon behind every tree. That's not. That's not what the Bible says. But maybe there's a demon behind some trees, and maybe too long we've written that off and say, well, that's just mental illness. That's chemical imbalance. Those are legitimate issues, but sometimes we've thrown way too much and given credibility to all that and saying that explains all the problems. And we've stopped believing that the invisible world is real and we live in a world at war and Satan, the Bible says, comes to kill, steal, and destroy us. That's what he wants to do. And if the Bible says that, do you think maybe that's what Satan does? And I don't, you know, maybe, maybe for you it's a spirit of dread. You just can't seem to get past stuff in your life. And you think it's just depression, chemical issues, there may be something going who, who, What caused the chemical issues? We don't, maybe, maybe there's a de- demon involved that. Again, please don't go out and say, oh, every time you're sick, it's a demon. I'm not saying that. But maybe there's parts and factors and functions of some of these things that we have written off and we've stopped thinking about it as warfare and just write it off as problem. I mean, last week, if you were here, we had some people up here from Celebrate Recovery. There's one guy said he struggled with consumerism. Someone else said they struggled with anger. Someone else said they struggled with lust. Well, can't we just get them here? And can we, can't we just rebuke the demon of lust? And he, why does he need Celebrate Recovery? It's a lot of time and energy. Can't we just rebuke the demon? Some people think that's how you do it. And, and the Bible doesn't show us that. Because there's some degree, we are still responsible. I'm responsible 
for whatever influence I allow Satan to have in my life. The Bible says don't give Satan a foothold, and that's written to Christians. He's not writing that to pagan weird people. He's writing that to Christian people. Don't give... I'm sure that I have prob- I, I'm sure there are times in my life I have given Satan a foothold where he had a foot, a toe, a clutch, a claw, or whatever in my spirit, and he knew exactly how to use that wedge against me until I understood what I was opening up to Satan, what agreement I was making, and then through the power and the blood of Jesus, close that back up again. So maybe it's a spirit of dread, maybe it's depression, maybe it's anger, maybe it's a spirit of unforgiveness. No matter what you do, you can't seem to get past that issue with that person. And you've lived your life in a spirit of revenge and anger, and you're now becoming an angry person. You don't want to be that, but you find yourself, you can't get around that. Maybe it is a sexual issue. Maybe it is, uh, like I said, depression, dread, anxiety, fear. Fear that you think, it seems irrational. I can't figure out why I'm so afraid of this. Again, all I'm saying is if Jesus believed it and that was part of his ministry of setting people free and showing that the kingdom of God was now among us, the spirit and the freedom was among us, maybe there are times where we have to kind of wrestle. We do have, there are times, not maybe, there are times we have to wrestle with that. My my wife came home a few weeks ago from a group of friends that weren't, they weren't Christians and they were talking about something and my wife came home and she said I just I feel kind of like something's she didn't say it this way but she was kind of saying like something is attached to me now granted I, I didn't, we didn't have like an exorcism in our living room but if you were Satan wouldn't you do really subtle sly things like that take the spirit that may be influencing and assaulting people who don't have Jesus in their lives and then figure out, is there some kind of foothold? Is there some kind of way I can attach and discourage? I mean, haven't there been times in the middle of your day or the middle of your week you find yourself discouraged or depressed or confused or angry and you don't know why? Maybe. I'm going to close this way because I'm sure what we're thinking is, I'm thinking this, and I thought this all week, okay, now what? You know? I think Dan's getting some exorcism cards printed up. Just kidding. But what do you do? What do you do with that? I mean, do you start going around rebuking everything in your life? Uh, But here's what I want to do. If nothing else, I would like all of us to at least be open this week to ways in which God may want to show you a way in which you have given a foothold to a demon to an evil spirit, to an unclean spirit. Maybe it's in your home. And again, even saying that seems weird to me. It's in your home. Be open and to see what God may ask you to do. And what's interesting in the Gospels, and what's interesting with even not just Jesus, but his disciples, we have, I have, not much difficulty talking to the invisible world as long as I'm talking to God. Right? Right? That seems weird. I'm talking to this unnamed person. God bless us. It still seems weird. But it seems like there's times in the Bible, Jesus and his followers talked directly to demons. And that's weird meter stuff, really. 
Am I going to talk to a demon? Am I, can I talk to that part of the invisible world? I mean, but Jesus said he gave us authority to do that. He gave us authority to do that. So here's what I want to do. Everybody, as you're sitting there, uh, just open your hand up. This is not going to be like goofy weird. It's going to be weird, but don't worry. It's not going to, I'm not going to embarrass anybody or do anything. Just open one hand up in front of you. And I'm doing this simply because I think God wants me to do it. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to speak to the invisible world that's not from God. All right? And so just uh, would you uh, pray with me? So in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, by the blood of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, I command you any spirits from the evil one. You spirit of dread, you spirit of anxiety, you spirit of anger, of fear, of unforgiveness, you spirit of lust, you spirit of mockery, you spirit that is anti to Christ. I am praying, I'm telling you, I'm commanding you in the name of Jesus that you need to depart from anybody in this room that you have attachments to. In the name of Jesus, you need to leave these people who belong to Jesus. And I'm commanding you to depart without doing harm to them or others around them. I'm commanding you to depart without causing any problems in their family, in this church, in this family, or in their home. And I command you, foul spirits, to go straight to Jesus. Because he will dispose of you as he sees fit. And I command you not to return to the house that you are now leaving. Now, Jesus, I'm talking to you. Jesus, I believe and we believe that you've given us that kind of authority. And I believe and we believe that something is spinning and stirring even now and that what we've just asked for, you said you've given us the authority to do that and we believe that there are uh, demonic influences that now realize that their lease is up and they will fight and they will claw and they will turn it on to overdrive. But Jesus, would you protect your people, us, by your blood. You said you'd protect us. Would you protect us? And would you, this week, would you enact the freedom in your name for us in any ways in which demonic spirits are influencing, attaching to us, or have pulled us down? Jesus, we trust you. And by your blood, we believe in the authority you've given us. We want to be free. Every single person here wants to be free. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Uh, Amen. Go to the last slide here. Book of Hebrews, the writer says this. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, that's us. The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break. Read that line with me. 
could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death? Right, one more time. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We do communion every week because we believe that because of what Jesus did, because of his blood and his broken body, he sets us free from the ways in which Satan harasses, assaults, mocks, and, and uh, kills, steals, and destroys from us. Here's how we do it at Exodus. We, uh, we're going to sing a couple more songs. Jeremy's going to lead us. As soon as we start singing, you're welcome to come up. Anybody is welcome who, as much as they know how, there's nothing between you and God that you're intentionally resisting Jesus, but you're open to whatever Jesus wants to do in your life. And you're open, and you have expressed yourself as a follower of Jesus. You're welcome up here. There'll be people up at each of the aisles, main aisles. Um, they'll have bread. You'll tear off a piece. They'll offer you the cup. Just dip in the cup. We don't have you drink out of it just for the sake of how we do it. Just dip in the cup. Most people eat it right away. Some people take it back to their seats. It's up to you. Whatever you want to do. Uh, I think during the second song, we pass the joy buckets. All right. And what we so there's three different ways to respond here. We remember. But Jesus said, remember me. Remember what I came to do to free you. Give. Pass the buckets sooner. And there's also, if, you're in the, if you want somebody to pray for you in that side room over there under the basketball goal, there are people over there to pray for you. could be about anything we talked about today, anything else around the question, what is it you want Jesus to do for you? So you're welcome to go back there. We encourage you to go back there. If you go back there, it's not any kind of a stigma. Nobody marks you or anything. Um, there's great honor in those who have the courage to go back there. So, uh, band, want to come on up here? And I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing and respond in the various ways. Jesus, we're grateful that you gave your blood. Uh, you, broke, you gave your body, and you said because of that you, broke a, you opened up a whole new living way. And the kingdom of heaven now can be among us. And you can bring life to our marriages, to our relationships with our kids, with our parents, you can, give, you can give forgiveness to us, our hearts where we have unforgiveness, and you can bring freedom where we've been oppressed. And we're grateful, Jesus. We are absolutely grateful that you did this and you rose and you have power for us. And we ask this all in your name. Amen.